0: Hello, my friend, and welcome to Myth Matters, storytelling and conversation about mythology and why myth matters to our lives today. I'm your host and personal mythologist, Catherine Svela. Wherever you may be in this wide, beautiful, crazy world of ours, you are part of this story circle. What do you do when the old ways don't work anymore? When the roles that you've played and the activities that have engaged your time must change? What do you do when your ideas about the world and about yourself must evolve? When you need a new story to live? You may have faced these questions before. I have. And the changes that came about were so radical, so unexpected, that I must use the word transformation to describe it. At the time of my metamorphosis, the rest of the world was humming along. The socio-political container felt durable and reliable. In many ways, I was like a seed planted into the earth. My changing form was supported by the stable ground. Now, today, <laughs> we are in a different situation together. We're in a very important in between time, my friends, in between the past and possibility. What could be called a liminal time, a liminal space, a space in which the old forms are dissolving and new things, new possibilities. Are emerging. There are many questions right now about what might come next. And so what is there to do? Where can you turn to meet the challenge and promise of this time in the best possible way? I think it's a turn to soul, to your soul life, that imaginative capacity in your nature that enables you to bridge what exists and what could be, that exists as a kind of psychic middle ground between the conscious and the unconscious, between your waking life and dream, between the visible and the invisible realms. In this space, from this soul perspective, events become experience. This is where meanings are made, where epiphanies are recognized, Lessons are revealed and shifts are felt. The clues to your destiny emerge. Soul, that imaginative ground, is a portal that is always available to take you into the liminal space where transformation occurs. A powerful example of transformation literal and metaphoric, is the transformation of the caterpillar into a butterfly. Called by destiny, the caterpillar encases itself in a chrysalis, and it dissolves. It dissolves into a soup of imaginal cells, cells that contain the qualities of the old form and the latent, hidden characteristics of the butterfly. That will emerge. The ancient Greek word for butterfly is psyche, which also means soul. Soul, then, is the source and agent of our personal transformation. To step over the threshold into that liminal space, the space of possibility, And to awaken to our transformation is an act of imagination. Listening to a story like we do here on this podcast is one way to enter this soul realm. And today I have a story for you that tells us something about soul and the liminal space and the possibilities that can be found there. It's a Celtic story called The Man Without a Story. I invite you to relax and let this story take you where it wants to take you. Note the moment or detail in the story that catches your attention. Those moments that reach out to you are a clue about your place in the story right now and the meaning that you might find there. A man without a story. Once there was a man who cut rods and made baskets, and he made a reasonable living doing this for a while. He was able to support himself and his wife well enough for a time, and then the rods began to become scarce, They got harder and harder to find, and he was able to make fewer and fewer baskets until their larder got quite bare, and they were regularly hungry. Now, the man knew that there were some rods for baskets in the fairy glen, but the fairy glen was kind of a tricky place. People didn't go there unless they had to. So when he told his wife that he would decided that their only option was for him to go into the fairy glen, she really didn't like the idea. She tried to discourage him, but he said, everything will be okay. Don't worry. I'll just go into the edge. I'll get a few rods for some baskets, and I'll be home before dinner. Well, The next morning, she packed up his lunch, and he gathered up his tools, and he went into the fairy glen and began to cut rods. He worked for a while, and the day was quite warm. He got tired. He was hot. He was hungry. So he stopped for some lunch and then stretched out under a tree to take a little nap. Who knows how long he slept, but when he woke up, the wind was starting to blow, and he noticed that a fog was creeping in. It was moving across the ground and slowly curling up the trunks of the trees, and it wasn't long before he couldn't see anything. He couldn't see his hand in front of his face. Well, this is a fine state of affairs, he thought. And he began to gather up his belongings when suddenly a big wind whooshed in. And it picked him up, twirled him around east, west, north, south, carried him up into the air, and dropped him who knows where. The man looked around. It was dark. It was an unfamiliar landscape. And then off in the distance, he saw some lights twinkling and thought to himself, well, where there were lights, there must be people. And the man walked in the direction of those twinkling lights. Eventually, he came to a hut in the middle of the forest. He knocked on the door and an old man opened it and motioned him inside. The old man and his wife were just sitting down to supper. Would you like to join us? They asked the man. And he discovered that he was quite hungry and said, yes, that would be very kind of you, but I'm afraid I I don't have anything to offer you in return. Well, that's okay, they said. Why don't you just tell us a story? We could really use a good story. Hmm. The man said, I really don't know any stories. Ah, well, that's a shame, they said. Now, you can make yourself useful. Why don't you grab that bucket over there by the door and go out to the well and bring us some water? The man was happy to do this little chore. He picked up the bucket and he went out to the well, tied the rope on it, and lowered it down. Just as he pulled it up and sat the bucket glistening with fresh water on the edge of the well, a great wind whooshed in, and it picked him up and twirled him around east and west and north and south, and before he knew it, it carried him off and dropped him who knows where. The man peered all around him. Then he saw a light twinkling off in the distance. Where there's a light, there must be people, he thought. So he walked toward the light. Eventually, he came to a house, and when he peered inside, he saw a group of people sitting with a corpse and a coffin. Well, he was about to leave when a young woman with black hair noticed him, she got up and came to the door and motioned for him to come in. Well, (laughs) he didn't know what to expect, but he followed her into the room, and when she indicated the seat next to her, he sat down. The people gathered sat there for a little while in silence. Finally, a big man said, Well, It really is time for us to send for the priest. And the young woman with the long black hair said, We don't need to send for a priest. I mean, we have the best priest in all of Ireland right here with us. She looked at the man. They all looked at the man. Who, me? he said. Why, yes, she said, you will perform the service. Well, he really didn't know what to make of this, but before he knew what was happening, well, he was delivering the sermon and making the prayers, offering the eulogy, and when he was done, everyone agreed that it was the best funeral service they'd ever heard. Well, now, said the big man, it's time for us to call a fiddler. We don't need to do that, said the young woman with the long black hair. Why, we have the best fiddler in all of Ireland right here with us. She looked at the man. They all looked at the man. Who, me? he said. Why, yes, she said, and someone handed him a fiddle. And before he knew it, he was playing every jig and every reel, and the people were dancing, and at the end of the evening they said, wow, that he was the best fiddler they'd ever heard, and that that was the best wake dance party they'd ever attended. Now, said the big man, it's time for us to bury the body. The four men who were pallbearers went to the coffin and they each picked up a corner. But alas, it turned out that one of the men was way too tall. Well, said the big man, we're going to have to call for a surgeon. Oh, we don't need to do that, said the young woman with the long black hair. We have the best surgeon in all of Ireland right here with us. She looked at the man. They all looked at the man. "'Who, me?' he said. And before he knew it, someone gave him the doctor's kit, and he sawed a piece off of each of the tall man's legs and put his feet back on. And then the pallbearers picked up the coffin, and off they went to the graveyard. When they reached the grave a big wind whooshed in and it picked up the man and twirled him east and west, north and south, spun him around and dropped him who knows where. He peered into the darkness and saw a light twinkling off in the distance. Where there's a light, there must be people, he thought, and walked toward the light. When he got closer, he realized he was back at the hut that belonged to the old man and the old woman. And there, on the edge of the well, was that bucket of water, still wet and glistening. He picked up the bucket and went into the house the old man and woman were still sitting at the table. They looked up at him, expectantly. "'Here's your water,' he said. "'And boy, do I have a story to tell you.'" He told them the story, then, about the young woman with the long black hair, about the funeral and the wake party, about the fiddling and the dancing, about the procession to the graveyard. And when he was done, they agreed that it was the best story that they had ever heard. Now it was late, and the fire had burned down low. It's time for bed, said the old woman. And she gave the man a blanket and a place to curl up by the fire on the floor. The three of them went to sleep. The next morning, when the man woke up, he found that he was lying on the ground in the fairy glen, his head resting on a bundle of rods. He picked up his belongings and made his way back home. When he got home, his wife was so happy to see him. Are you all right, she asked. Did did everything go okay? Oh, yes, he said. I have some rods. And even better, I have quite a story to tell you. The man told his wife the story, and she agreed that it was a very fine one. The man told his story many times after that, and they never were hungry or wanted for anything ever again. There's much to ponder in this story. It offers many puzzles and images. I want to say a few things about the decision to step into the fairy glen and how this may be accomplished. But first, let's pause for a moment so you can consider your moment or detail from the story. You may want to pause this recording and jot down a few notes that you can work with later. I know that I invite you to notice your response to the story that I tell every time and frequently suggest that a story can be a type of Rorschach test. And yet this time when transformation is underway on a global scale, (laughs) I am compelled to give you extra encouragement. You may want to write to or about this moment or detail. You may want to make art about it. You might call it to mind when you're out for a walk, having a cup of tea, washing the dishes. What might you learn about your soul life and the personal transformation currently underway in you? Taking the story seriously and allowing your moment in the story to be significant is one way. To approach the fairy glen. When the old ways no longer work, the new forms, the new story are first understood through soul. You may feel the compulsion to make a decision or to to take action, but participation, awakening, begins with inviting uncertainty, with allowing for the unexpected. And this requires imagination. The path is different for each of us. But to enter the fairy glen, you need to go to places in your life where the unexpected might appear. You need to go to the edges, so to speak, and pay attention. That openness involved in that move is an act of imagination which is soul. Here are some ideas. You could physically go outside and wander, perhaps find the company of a tree, or take an unfamiliar path without checking the time or watching the clock. You might approach some activity that's been calling for which you haven't made time, or a feeling or thought that's been popping into consciousness or pushing at you that you routinely disregard. You might pause between tasks, even sit in your chair in front of the window and watch the shadows fall. You might actively engage with your dreams, maybe ask them what they need. You might reflect on the roles that you play in your life mother, husband, cat servant, dog walker, or whatever occupies your nine to five, for example. Or you might reflect on what seems fixed in your identity and imagine the alternatives. You could experiment with suspending your opinions, judgments, and or predictions. Rather than speak as if you know, you could say, hmm, let's wait and see. You could have your morning coffee or tea with a poem rather than the latest news. You could write a poem. I was gifted with a new poem by my friend, poet and fiber artist Cindy Rennie, called Passages of Time. This poem evokes the liminal space of the fairy glen for me, and I'd like to read it for you in the hopes that it may do the same for you. Passages of Time by Cindy Rennie. Peering down the tunnel... Columns outline my gaze. A few graceful steps. I find an iridescent leaf, good for potions, rubbed on skin. Heron glides across the ceiling under purple moon, forgets this is impossible. Pockets of light, orbs guide me to an involved conversation between a fortune teller and the bird. They wonder what forever means. Tears overflow my cupped hands. I've avoided this place, hoping to decay enough to understand the ephemeral flight of water inside the crystal bowl. Peering down the tunnel, columns outline my gaze. A few graceful steps. I find an iridescent leaf, good for potions, rubbed on skin. Heron glides across the ceiling under purple moon, forgets this is impossible. Pockets of light orbs guide me to an involved conversation between a fortune teller and the bird. They wonder what forever means. Tears overflow my cupped hands. I've avoided this place hoping to decay enough to understand the ephemeral flight of water inside the crystal ball. Thank you so much, Cindy, for gifting me with that poem. I interviewed Cindy for this podcast when it was still called Myth and the Mojave, and I'll post a link to that episode with the transcript for this one. So you can learn more about Cindy's process and hear her read some of her poetry if you are interested other ideas about approaching the edge of the fairy glen. You can give yourself a mantra like, I am willing. You can drum, shake a rattle, dance, make a collage. You can pray in whatever form comes to you and appeal to the unseen presences in your life the ones that you know exist when you are in your soul life, whether you call them goddess, ancestor, river spirit, cosmic consciousness, or deep self. Because it's time to live and tell and share a story that hasn't been heard before. And you will not find that in the mind that lives your every day in the mind that has forgotten to wonder. I received a recording of a much-loved poem by Mary Oliver that conveys the peculiar blend of fear and optimism and need and dream that often accompanies the step into the unknown. One thing that strikes me about the man in our story is that he's clearly in desperate straits And he must feel some fear about the fairy glen. And yet there's almost, there's something almost anticipatory, don't you think, in his gathering up of the tools? Some optimism, some sense of potential as he steps into the glen and finds the rods that he needs as he pauses for lunch. As he lays down in that magical place to take a nap. Well, this Mary Oliver poem is called Journey and it's read by Rags Rosenberg.
1: The Journey by Mary Oliver. One day you finally knew what you had to do and began though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at your ankles. Mend my life, each voice cried. But you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do. Though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible, it was already late enough and a wild night and the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds, and there was a new voice, which you slowly recognized as your own, that kept you company, as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save.
0: When we talk about this being a time of transformation, when we say that we need something new, a new system, a new government, a new culture, a new way of living, a new story, what we are really saying is that it's time for us to show up in a new way, time for us to live differently, time for us to bring something forth that may be hidden, may be the latent characteristics in that soup of imaginal cells. The story suggests that there is a connection between the soul life, having a story, and knowing the source of story is in soul, that this is the source of life's riches, and that this is also the way that we discover who and what we are. The man in our story found out that he is so much more than he thought. He's not only a basket maker. Could it be that if we are attached to what we think is our story, and who we think we are, that we may miss out on the magic of the next chapter. And that's it for me, Catherine Savella and Myth Matters. You will find a transcript of this podcast at my website, www.mythicmojo.com, along with links to some other resources that I think you might find useful. I want to welcome the new subscribers, welcome new subscribers, and also give a big thank you to my new patron on Patreon, a long-time listener from Portland, Oregon. Thank you so much, my friend, and thank you for listening and spending some of your precious time with Myth Matters. Please take care of yourself, and until next time, happy myth-making and keep the mystery in your life alive.